Welcome back to Desert Island Dictator. My name is Jacob Hatton. This week our guest is the wonderful Elizabeth Dennis Harburg. She is a Labour councillor and a competitive figure skater. This was a genuinely fascinating chat and I really think the best thing to do is just get to it. All I will say beforehand um, is if you are enjoying the episodes, please do subscribe, please do leave reviews and please do share. It really, really helps get things out there. I can see quite a lot of people are listening to it and I'm really quite overwhelmed, so thanks very much. But yeah, uh, please like, please subscribe. This is really fascinating. We talked about all sorts. So uh, I think without much further ado, let's bring it in. Welcome to Desert Island Dictator. Desert Island Dictator. My guest this week is Elizabeth Dennis Harburg. Uh, she's a Labour councillor and has been for the last four years. Um, she's been a councillor in North Hearts, uh, where she's responsible for waste and recycling. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth is a competitive figure skater. Uh, and so this week, I will say, instead of being a instead of being a warm sandy desert island elizabeth moves to her more natural environment which is a cold icy tundra hi hey um i feel like i need to clear this myth up about skaters we are not all cold elsa like ice queens um i spend most of my life inside very very cold buildings but i'm constantly mm. moving so you don't tend to really get that cold However, I would prefer to be in a place that actually has ice, especially given that we've been deprived of it for the best part of, of this year, which has been incredibly yeah. frustrating. So. Okay, so the thing is, obviously, I do I do accept what you're saying, and I do understand what you're saying, uh, and the all, the listeners of the audio of this podcast won't be able to see this, but you have just told me you're not a sort of frozen Elsa-type figure whilst <laughs> dressed all in black with purple hair. And it does lead me to... <laughs> it lost... <laughs> <laughs> okay well i mean that's that is because very very lockdown 2.0 cliche um i've had a contemporary dance lesson today in my wonderful kitchen that nobody can see because nobody can come over um and <laughs> obviously nice. on zoom like the black contrasts quite quite nicely it's not i'm not going through a goth phase despite having purple hair um <laughs> I don't, I don't have an excuse for the purple. That was a, a that, that, that's a lockdown cliche. Yeah. If we cliches all the way. If twenty if twenty twenty is not the year to go goth again, then I don't know what is. Yeah, my thirteen year old daughter has been discovering the cure, so I think I think this oh, wow. is the perfect time to bring it back. Oh wow, she's so she's you know she's going goth goth. She's not. She's you know, going goth goth. She's graduated from My Chemical Romance and moved on from the Black Parade and is now very much living the full 80s goth dream. Wow. 
teenagers scare the living shit out of me, eh? <laughs> See, so Jake, that's a My Chemical Romance joke, <laughs> listeners, and it's a it was it was an acceptably good one. That's what I thought. Um, anyway, so you've been uh, you've you've been a counselor for the last four years, and you've been a competitive figure figure skater for kind of most of your life, right? I... Yeah, since I was since I was five, I sort of started skating. Um, like we saw Torvald Dean at the Olympics on the TV. Being from being from the north, I'm from Doncaster. You can't tell because I went to university in the south. And if you talk like this at UCL, nobody takes you serious, like. So I had to lose the accent. Um, sort of Lindine skating, thought, yes, I'd like to do that. And then sort of stuck at it quite tenaciously, had a 10-year break and then picked it back up again five years ago and went over to Vancouver in 2016 for like the first ever kind of equivalent of an adult skating world championships and came second, which was pretty decent going given I'd been skating again for a year at that point. Wow. And I went, yeah. So I went, oh, adult skating's great and all, but I want a challenge. So I've moved back into mainstream skating and I'm now sort of pushing and challenging myself to to get to the sort of mainstream senior level and competing against the sort of up and coming athletes. And it's a it's a really great way to to stay in touch with the sport and see how it's developing as well. Awesome. Well, the thing is, obviously, that is all very interesting. But what I do know is that you've been doing none of these things. And that is because three years ago, you were marooned on an icy island. You took with you only the uh, only the Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance, the album Innuendo by Queen, uh, the musical soundtrack of 42nd Street. You took some ice skates uh, and books only to be burned to keep warm. <laughs> the bible and the complete works of shakespeare which you can also use to reach high things uh, fast forward three years you now rule that island with an iron fist how should... <laughs> she's already laughing at the idea of her as a dictator and i should say as, a, as an elected official that is a good attitude to take <laughs> I feel like as a as an elected Labour official, the idea of being a dictator is is incredibly funny, but then also mildly terrifying when <laughs> when we think that you know the the Labour Party is very much, as some people might say, a broad church, and we encompass everything from the centre to to the left, bordering on sort of communism, and we all know that communist dictators are not necessarily. <laughs> the the best people treat yourself in the world. you know it's your island you can be a communist you you could you could be a tanky <laughs> on this island if you want to you know the the <laughs> the, the the labor labor cannot suspend you on your own islands that's the <laughs> oh, that's, that's very true i feel that we are very much beyond sort of the jurisdiction of of the nec at this point and the party whips and I shall be mindful, most certainly, of the um, EHRC report. I do not want to get into discussing that. Well, I should. It's not. This is not, not my a favorite thing. This I I can imagine, and I will also say that we will not we will not talk about that. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that, or people whose initials are JC, especially that bloke that drives the cars. Because goodness me, isn't he awful? Environmentally speaking. Um, but no. <laughs> So the the island the island is fantastic in the winter. There's plenty of space to skate, so I'm competing against myself, which is kind of how I like it now because that's what pushes me 
to be better and break down my own internal barriers. And that's how I found success in my own life. There we go. Girl inspiration, girl power. How would you be, uh, how, as ruler of the island, how would you like to be addressed? What's your, what's your title? What would you consider? What what do you think your title should be? She who must be obeyed. She who must be obeyed. Clearly. Yes. And your skate and your ice skates, which are called she who must be a blade. (laughs) (laughs) That was very quick, Jacob. I'm impressed. Well, you know, yeah. I have, have some practice. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote that down about uh, about four days ago. And I was like, yeah, I can't wait to include this in there. <laughs> can't yeah. wait to- uh, I'm less impressed now at the spontaneity. It's almost yeah, like but- it's hearing one of those terrible, terrible preconceived questions that members like to ask at full council. I'm glad that for three years I've not had to sort of answer strange queries that people know the answer about. That's that's the thing they don't tell you when you sort of choose to put yourself forward to for elected office. Hmm. You will obviously attend meetings, you're going to deal with casework and help a lot of people and make a huge impact to people's lives. But also at a full council meeting, other members have the opportunity to ask questions and those questions are not always as clever as the people asking them think they are. And you have to find a way to just sort of smile and, and have a quick sort of witty retort in your back pocket without letting your true feelings be known And for without, someone who's quite open, that's, that's difficult. Without mentioning any names or people, what is the worst question, the, the stupidest question you've ever been asked? Um, okay, it's not, it's not like a totally stupid question. Um, it's just factually incorrect, which I guess makes it a totally stupid question. It's, um, when are you going to bin the bin tax? Where, like you said, you would in your election literature, when we have never once said we're going to do that. It was another party of a different colour that said that. And having to explain to somebody wearing a blue hat that the red team did not say those things without dropping the third team in it too much is always a bit, a little bit, a little bit tricky. There's never anything really, really funny. It's just geeky, nerdy political things. As a geeky, nerdy political person, I'll say what my thoughts on the third team is you should drop them in it whenever you want. The third (laughs) team can just get out. That was my... Okay. Wait, are you in, are you in coalition with them right now in your council? No, we we do not do coalitions at all. We have a sort of joint administration. We're working in North Hearts as a joint administration, okay. so it's kind of equally shared between between the two parties who are in the administration. And um, and most the of one. the time, we actually get on quite well. Fair enough. The thing is that local, like a local council, is not me slagging people off on Twitter. That's the thing. It is like. <laughs> As 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 someone who's involved with as as someone involved with the bins, it literally is just like okay, we have some money and a lot of stuff we've got to do. So <laughs> we have some money. We have increasingly less money, especially with with COVID and how that's impacting on mm. various local authority budgets. Um, but the the sort of the Twitter and you talking to some people, actually, I think that is a good analogy at times for, for the way that council works, because it's still people in a room trying to do a thing. And yeah. when politics is involved, that room is inevitably going to devolve at times into a meeting of the Dibley Parish Council. Well, I've got, so I have two questions off the back of this to you, and it is about your island. The first one, slightly unrelated, what's the island called? 
Oh, I didn't bother to give it a name. It's just a place that I've washed up and I'm trying to decide when I want to leave. And at the moment, <laughs> I'm quite happy staying there yes. and not having to serve people. But this is becoming more and more goth. Yeah, yeah. Why would you even have a name, okay? The island is as cold and icy as my soul. Okay, I wouldn't even give that a name. Uh, no. I. So the... I um, And the second question is... What are the bit like? When are you going to bin the bin tax on your nameless island? <laughs> I, the the nameless island doesn't have a bin tax because we're actually a zero waste economy. Very good. So, that is very right on, isn't it? Yeah. How can yeah. I make zero waste funny? Um, that's not my job. That's your job, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, the the island is populated largely by penguins and a couple of Antarctic explorers that managed to get themselves lost because, let's face it, they're bright in one way, but not necessarily too smart in other ways. Um, so we have zero food waste. All of that is recycled, composted, used for insulation in the igloos. Um, and any time that we do end up with single-use plastics being washed up, we have a process where we're able to sort of melt those down without releasing emissions and turn them into bricks, or we can also compact them and use them to as a sort of form of form of tarmac to create roads. So we've created a, a human penguin hybrid civilization oh. that's taking the waste away from the West. Taking it away. Like I could just just I'm sorry, but I just keep thinking about a road just built of entirely of like my takeaway tin uh take <laughs> takeaway boxes. I'm like, you know what? I salute it. Um I hope it doesn't smell, but <laughs> It doesn't, but like also, like on a on a very serious point, these those are two very stupid things. But they are projects that are actually happening. There's the plastic bottle project where they're turning those into bricks and using them in India. Fingers crossed, yes. they're sustainable and they're not going to catch fire and end up with horrible circumstances for those people who need housing. And also, you can sort of uh, degrade the plastic down into pellets and use that to to fill potholes in the road. So, oh wow. It's, okay. it's, it's very it's, it's very silly, but it's based on fact. Well, you know what, right? This is already much more informative than either of the two fools that I had in my first two episodes. Uh, I, did, I I loved Catherine, and I'm also really angry because Scotland has just made sanitary wear um, completely free in all public buildings. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be something great. I can talk to Jacob about this. We can get really, really political mm. and excited. Nah, she she's smashed the period ha. poverty issue <laughs> out of the water. Like the Crimson Tide is blowing strong in that one. So uh, just for just for the listeners to reference, that is episode two where I interviewed the comedian Catherine Mather. She's incredibly funny. You should absolutely see her. Please also listen to the episode. That's episode number two. Uh, we go through a, all sort. Of, we go through all sorts of issues from the sublime to the ridiculous. It's a really great chat. Please do listen. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've lost my place. I will edit that out. Uh, no, that's I think that was a. I think that was a valid self plug. You can put an ad or something to build space. Yeah, actually, we're getting adverts on this. I hope it's not a plastic manufacturer or something. I don't really get much choice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, I think I do. I think I can choose who. I think I, I think I think because otherwise, you, yeah, I think you have to at least ac- you have to like accept their ad onto your podcast. It's yeah. gonna be like, it's gonna be like those mattresses or like uh, grooming kits and stuff because that's always what it is. But um, well, I can tell you that I have never been associated with mattresses. 
Well, <laughs> you're not a mattress person. Uh, oh shit! I'm taking it down. I sleep. I sleep on a mattress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did this to myself. That's all so stupid. <laughs> to the island <laughs> quick well, see that that is why innuendo was on the list yeah quick quick back to the island <laughs> this is why you have to live amongst penguins i cannot be trusted with mattresses this is why i'm with the penguins what? <laughs> <laughs> <That's worse. laughs> yeah. well i know you said you wanted to create a human penguin hybrid society but i didn't realize it would be this way <laughs> neither did i but <laughs> But now I think about it, it's looking mighty attractive. Well, um... I've been banned from every zoo. You're not getting elected in any way. I mean, does anybody ever come on a podcast to assist in their electability? has Has that really, really helped people like Boris Johnson going on popular panel shows? Yeah, exactly. That's it. They're gonna, like in ten years' time, people are going to be like, "Thanks, Jacob. Thanks for inviting Elizabeth onto your podcast and humanizing her and making us all. We all laughed, didn't we, when she was talking? We all laughed, didn't we, when she was talking about human penguin hybrid society and little little igloos made of plastic? Now look what you've done." Uh, yeah, now looks now that we're in a zero waste economy and we're all reusing instead of recycling because it is the better option. God. Yeah, I'm I know, but for a platform. You're Duh. not really what, what you don't get. What what what, you, what you're missing? The context you're missing here is that every one of my friends is a rampant venture capitalist who specialises only in the plastic industry. So. Well, in that case, if they want to come up with ways to make plastic fully reusable slash recyclable and stop it being single use, that would be really, really, like, super, super helpful. Although food waste is definitely the bigger evil at this time. It's like, if food, you know, if food waste was a country, it would be the third biggest emitter of greenhouse gases. Wow. Yeah. So like, you can be vegan all you like. That is not touching the sides. You throw your vegetable peelings away instead of composting them at home, or you do the buy one, get one freeze and don't use mm. one of them. That's that is the worst thing for the environment. My god, I feel really bad now because I've got a I've got a <laughs> loaf of bread in my in my fridge that will not survive the night and but it's just too far gone to freeze and I'm like You can turn uh, it into croutons. I could turn it into croutons. Good. Croutons really with easy. my dinner. Croutons video and croutons on a podcast. That's accountability. Yeah. Crouton, yeah. in fact, that's going to be the title of the episode. Croutons <laughs> on a podcast. Croutons. You have to actually make the croutons, and then you have to actually, like, consume them instead of still chucking them away. Yes. I mean, that's... Yeah, I still... Yeah, the, I still have to take some steps with this. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. But, like, I honestly... We've been really, really boring and like gone through. We've gone. Pe- we go through people's bins every now and then. That's gross, right? That like you personally, or just? No, well, um, I wish I could, but that I've, I'm just far too busy being locked down. But we have. I have people who go through people's bins, um, and they found that people are throwing away the majority of the food waste that ends up in people's residual bins mm. is actually edible. So it's not just stuff like chicken bones. Right, it's, yeah. It's like an apple that could have been eaten or 
there was a packet of chicken fillets that were still in the packaging and hadn't gone on the turn. It was just the date that had that they think had passed. So it's when you say uh, is quite scary. When you say you have people, by the way, I'm I'm fully I'm fully aware that the reality is it's just some like municipal employees, but like. In my head, I could just imagine sort of people in kind of like ski masks kind of creeping through people's bins, but like, what's this? <laughs> it would be amazing. And like, go through, and then like, maybe they could knock on the person's house and go, Here's your chicken. Are you going to eat it? Yeah, that, that, would, would... That, that would be a rule that I would institute on my island. There you go. That's some dictator like behavior. Right. Getting the edible food waste out of people's bins and forcing them to eat it. Yeah, it's less. I mean, it's kind of like when I was a kid, my gran used to do that. Do that sort of. I honestly, it's not aged. The what she used to say. She used to say, "Oh, think of the starving kids in Africa, right?" Which is not something that's really aged as a aged well as a phrase. No, but it's, it's like less. Think of the starving kids down the road. Yeah, yeah let's think of them now. <laughs> well, quite. But <laughs> oh, I think let's think. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> let's think of the kids. Let's think of the starving kids is elsewhere in the world right now, and think about the fact that the climate change you're helping to bring about will render large portions of the world uninhabitable. And I think that's quite a long thing to say and very difficult to say to a four-year-old, but it would be more accurate. Uh, it, it would, but like we can think of the kids that Marcus Rashford is thinking of. And oh, by the way, like. Why is it okay for a Premier League footballer to be thinking of kids that are less fortunate than himself, which is pretty much every child in the country, yet the Prime Minister and all the majority of the Conservative Party could not could not care less if there if there are families that are that are going hungry and that there's ongoing food poverty and it's more than just about the free school meals issue. I find that uh, it just really, really doesn't sit well with me at all. It, it makes me really angry how you've got the haves who have so much and the have-nots who have so little. And it's almost back to that weird Victorian schematic of, of the deserving and undeserving poor. It's, it's not okay. Would you characterise... How would you characterise the... the the kind of moralizing that you've seen in some of the response to the the coronavirus and do, do you think that they've kind of because at, at the government level now i know that you're not going to agree with that with everything that they've done uh mm. at all um but do you think that do you think that they the party just can't seem to kind of get away from its moralizing given that like furlough is something that they introduced and a lot of the kind of payments that like they are currently putting an enormous chunk of the uk essentially on a government payroll for uh, you know temporarily until we can bring things back do you think it's still a problem that 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 certain members of the party still can't stop the idea of moralizing about people who are taking government money because it's like well, it's like, well, if you don't want me to take it, you shouldn't have offered it. I I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, like, I'll take the undeserving and deserving poor and flip it around and, and mm. modernise it for, for how I think some MPs have acted over the summer. It's the it's the deserving and undeserving scrounger, isn't it? Because all mm. of these people, well, they, they, why, can't, why can't they hold down their jobs during this pandemic? What have they done wrong? Oh, oh, you Fatima over there, you should go and retrain in cyber. Excuse me, 
do not tell what like looking at the photo an 11 year old ballet dancer to go and retrain in cyber do you not know how inappropriate that is do you know what cyber is another word for cyber sex don't push an 11 year old ballet dancer into a career in cyber who thought up that 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 stupid stupid poster but also how insensitive given what the arts and sports is is going through and the complete chocolate fire guard that is oliver dowden at the department for culture media and sport really um but even sort of closer to home like the there's an mp in hitchin which is the town that i'm a councillor in um yes he's the same age as me so we're contemporaries he was fortunate enough to go to eton and has had that sort of very privileged bringing um, upbringing um at times he kind of almost has a chip on his shoulder about it because people have a dig because he's been to eton mm. taking the politics aside He's a really nice, really lovely person whose heart's in the right place. Put the so, uh, Bim Afalami, by the way. Bim Afalami, yes. Yeah. Jacob's done his research. Yep. Just uh, um, for just in case anyone wants to know who he is, do a little Google. But uh... Bim, no, Bim is lovely, and we do we do get on. We just sort of, and a lot of the time, we might reach the same outcome on an issue, which is very common in politics. But our approach and the journey that we take to get there, and obviously the consequences for people on that journey, will be different. But sort of speaking to Bim around the food poverty issue, his kind of feelings were that it shouldn't be for the state to to be giving these handouts. And why are you coming to us and expecting us to to help people that really should be helping themselves? Really? Mm. So I've had to sort of explain to him, go, well, this is my experience in my life with food poverty. This is the experience of the people I represent. And suddenly he started to sort of get it. If you humanize it for them, if you make them walk in your shoes they can be persuaded to start to get it, but they'll still vote with the party whip because, hey, career before principle, right? I am starting to think that me retweeting and referring to a number of MPs as cum faces, probably not actually. I feel like potentially your approach is <laughs> potentially better for getting results than mine. But I have a different type of privilege to you. I have a privilege of platform, small though that platform may be. I mean, it's only the complete works of Shakespeare, right? But for some yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> a pretty big step. Um, but, but no, I think that actually... Yeah, people going on Twitter and thinking that it's effective to at their MPs and call them come face. You can come face as many MPs as you want, Jacob, but you're the only one that's getting any satisfaction from that. MPs, come on the podcast. I will not <laughs> I will not come face you. I will ask you some pointed questions with a very loose, very loose thematic link to your fantasy island. That's my that's my promise. I feel like I reckon I could get I reckon if this goes well enough, I can get one on and never again. Or someone who's recently lost. That I think that's my I think that'd be my main target. People who've lost their seats within the last ten years. That's you could do that. Or you could get people that, that don't really sort of care or that know you and just fancy having a chat because it's lockdown and <laughs> speaking to the same old people on Zoom, right? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Um, you know what? I didn't know. When, I, when, when we started talking, I mm. did not know that we would... Like, I know that sanitation is your job. And so I no. suspect... Just bins. I, I am literally the rubbish counsellor. I... 
Oh, shit, I am also in charge of shit and toilets. Oh, yeah, sanitation is my job. Sorry, Jacob. <laughs> Elizabeth claims a, to represent her constituent, and yet she refers to herself as the rubbish councillor. <laughs> In fairness, I think some of my constituents might as well. Bin the bin tax, Elizabeth. Bin the bin tax. <laughs> I, I would bin the bin tax if the government gave us enough money to run a bin service without us needing to tax the brown bin. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Well, there you go. That's, that's the answer. Isn't it? Like, uh... <laughs> it's very jobs worth, though, isn't it? Let's face it. Yeah. It's not, it's not my problem. It's him over there. <laughs> I, uh, well... You get the resources you get right, but sometimes you you do have to be like realistically. Uh, we we have certain things we have to do. We've got to do them. So yeah. uh, I also think I do. I, I I was very interested in your kind of approach to how you deal with people who aren't aren't in your own party. Uh, but my only thoughts about what you were saying about your MP stance is that is all well and good. It's actually not all well and good, but you know it could be could, all well and good in a normal year. But we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> Everyone has lost their jobs. But you know, and I hear your I, I hear your very righteous rage at this point, Jacob. But also, in in the politest possible way, politicians have had. I'm getting very Margaret Thatcher. I'm just going to bring that back down. Oh, I can't look at Gillian Anderson. We have had we have had many challenges this year. We have had. Many challenge, and also people have got. It's the pandemic. It's a. It, it's it's the hit that point now where I think for a lot of politicians the pandemic thing is is white noise, and like many right. normal people, they just want to bury their heads in the sand and just try and get back to normal and and get on with things, which from a human perspective is totally understandable. But you're the fucking leaders. Yes. Lead us. Listen to us, and if we come and we say we're really struggling, we can't do X, Y, and Z, you know, help us. And if we've been working ourselves flat out to the point of exhaustion, don't in November then turn around and say, no, 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 Mrs. Teacher, you don't get a pay rise. Well, I would say that I agree with that. And I also think at a practical level, given that the private sector has been... Um, the, the private sector has basically had ice cream scoops scooped out of it in terms of like who you know who actually has spending money actively like actively damaging the pe- the only people who are the remaining consumer base of the country just as we're coming up uh, just as we're coming out of one of the biggest recessions we've ever had I think is probably a pretty bad idea but you know that's just me um, uh, that's that's one particular economic model there there are others and like I think sort of being a child from from South Yorkshire and growing up in the in the 90s and seeing the end mm. of the miners strike and Thatcherism and what that did and then also being a millennial and binge watching the crown now <laughs> <laughs> that's my historical reference point it's not the miners strike at all it's it's Netflix yeah. It's not it's not real says the culture minister put a sign on it and tell us it's, it's not real they definitely did those things. She knelt, and Julian right. Anderson is not Margaret Thatcher. Um, but but like sort of seeing seeing those sort of representations of the past, you can't help but draw a parallel between the Tory Party then mm. and the Tory Party now. And then you've got that weird bit in the middle with compassionate conservatism that David Cameron tried to push in the big society. And what's these? I 
I don't agree with their politics at, at all, but these are the people in charge. So they're the ones that we have to influence and we have mm. to cajole and persuade rather than come face. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like wish I had said that. Never... <laughs> I'm just going to keep referencing it. But doing that to a politician, unless they're a certain politician, doesn't really seem to ever work. It's more about cajoling them and getting them into the right place. And it's, I think we need to ask ourselves, how can we get Boris Johnson's government and those hardcore mm. Brexiteers to recognise that actually Marcus Rashford is right? The teachers in the public sector saying it's not right that the private sector can get a pay rise, but we can't. Mm. Why is this particular public sector worker valued more than this other public sector worker? It's it it is tough, and I think that that's the fight that everybody that disagrees with the line that the government is taking. I'm not naming political parties because I think there are members of the Conservative Party who disagree with the government as well. I think that everybody really needs to be pushing and challenging. MPs, councillors, anybody with any kind of influence to to do better. There is still a pandemic on. Times are hard. You know, you you know the place that I work for my day job, so you can imagine the kind of planning and horizon scanning that that we're doing there for yeah. when ordinary retail consumers have serious crises and issues. We know that we're going to be looking at cases over the next sort of year to to two years of people potentially losing their homes because of this and mortgage repayments this is this has the potential to be worse than the recession and i do not think that it is being treated as seriously as it should be we're treating it very seriously and we're making lots of jokes about it and laughing but i think sometimes laughter is the only thing that helps so on your ice on your ice cold on your on your ice cold fancy island <laughs> which we've we've got a long way from what is the ideal form of government um the ideal form of government to me um is progressive socialism the problem with progressive socialism is is one of those really brilliant theories that the inner book written down in and sort of philosophically makes total sense and creates a utopia and having the antarctic explorers there makes it easier as well because they tend to be of a more left-wing liberal green mind but very much like that other very strong left-wing principle, communism, as soon as you take it out of the book and you apply it to people and to human beings, mm. it tends to get a bit shitty. I mean, can, can anybody sort of like hold their hands up and say, this is a particular brand of socialism. This is how I understand it. It's been completely non-problematic and it's delivered positive results. I can. Um, Nybev and the NHS, that was a product of socialism, but... People are always going to be people and they're going to be corrupt and they're going to want to be she who must be obeyed and <laughs> get the penguins and the explorers to do all kinds of despicable things for their own selfish ends yeah. or because I, they don't understand. I understand that um, Darren Bogrell, the explorer who lives oh. on your island, is actually a, a secret Trotskyist. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. He just seems like a bit of an extremist. I'm sure that that won't lead to any kind of military coup or or junter and he won't try and assert you know assume power yeah well exactly i mean you know at the end of the day what's he gonna do like throw bits of plastic at you can't do I, that I know. a bit of plastic a bit of, a bit of snow in the summer there might be a little bit of grass or moss you know settler settler with a snowball fight you know yeah exactly it's this is quite it's, it's quite basic I, I could take him i could take him any day <laughs> But no, but like 
And I think the reason why the island also has the um, explorers is, like I said, they, they tend to be of a similar mind and we like echo chambers and we all live in them. And we've seen with a number of referenda and key general elections as well, the danger of echo chambers and surrounding ourselves on social media with people who have similar thought processes. Damn. I like an echo chamber. I like it. I find it comforting, and I I think I want to seek mm. comfort in yeah. these strange and unprecedented times. Just a delicious, warm honey from people I agree with all the time. Fantastic. Yeah, don't contradict me. Tell me that I'm wonderful and that it's all going to be okay, because that's what we want. We don't yeah. want it fixing. We just want to be okay. I love it in the stand-up world. You know, when I tell a joke, no one laughs, but everyone claps, and I'm like, yeah. Mm. Oh, it's so warm. Oh, you agree. Oh, you agree the hell out of what I just. Because oh, uh, the other thing is, you can't go into anything in any kind of detail in stand up because it's stand up, right? You've got to say it quickly. So it's like, oh, did you agree with that platitude? Yes. Mm, mm, yes, I enjoy it too. But um, what I have, I think a lot of people say in comedy, like, you shouldn't be doing that. You need to challenge people. What I've learned about that is that that's not really true. No one actually wants to be challenged. What they want is to hear their own prejudice I, 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 by the way prejudice i don't mean this necessarily i don't actually weirdly mean this in a negative way i mean it just in literally in the way that everyone kind of has thoughts that are perhaps unsaid they want to hear them said back to them they don't want to hear of someone else's that are different they want they want them <laughs> said, yeah. and that's my no, that's, that's absolutely true and like um there was this really good Larry King documentary on Netflix that I watched during lockdown, which I should stop saying really. I should just say there was this really Uh, good Netflix program on the island, brackets, (laughs) during 2020, um, (laughs) that I I watched called um, Larry King Dangerous Comedy. And sort of he does, he goes through sort of like various different types of comedians around the world. But one of them that he does and that you don't necessarily see explored too much is is right wing comedians in, in America. And you realize that there is this alt-right comedy product and if we watched it it would make us incredibly uncomfortable because they are making anti-semitic jokes they are being very fascist very anti-women anti-gay rights everything but that is a legitimate form of comedy and they are people speaking to their people just like we're both relatively left-wing chattering class liberals and we will tend to go and speak to our people and I will enjoy Tim Minchin's comedy or because I'm also deep down a very horrible horrible person I like a bit of Jimmy Carr every now and then as well and you gravitate don't you it's not just America I mean Roy Chubby Brown still tours you know he does well that's how I feel I can't word there's just a noise then childhood memories of Blackpool oh no it's good play i mean back in the day when you could get when you had to buy dvds because what's happened to those guys now what happens what's happened to the pirate dvd sellers because they're they're the economy for that's just being chopped out completely hasn't it that was a great place for that blackpool you could get uh... that, is a, that is a really good question because like the amount of time that i used to spend on edgeware road hanging out with people and you would get the bootleg dvds dvd guys coming down there yeah. and that's no, you're right. I haven't seen any of them. I've seen the Romanian ladies that, that sell the roses and have young children that I want to help with their homework, but nobody trying to sell me a, a DVD that's got an R5 codec on it. I think the problem is that, like, the the, the, the overall these days, we're more, you know, I just buy drugs, you know, it's the experience economy, right? I'm more interested. <laughs> 
I have been passed a card by my election agent and I must tell you that I have never partaken of drugs and I will not be doing so and do not know where to buy them from. <laughs> and that is fair enough, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, However, I recognise your experience and this is a judgment-free zone. Yep, good thing your island's judgment-free. Not like my island, which is Judgment Island, where I will... Oh, I know, I judge, I judge, but in that very repressed British way, where I just keep it all inside, and then uh... one day. <laughs> um, there was a guy, uh, there was a guy who got um, put in, who was in, there was a photo of him in the Bromley News Shopper about six years ago, and he had a massive tattoo on him saying, only God could judge, which I thought was really great, because the article about him was him being put in prison for about five years, and I was like, well, I think we've proven that tattoo wrong, haven't we? But also that worries me a little, given that when I originally arrived on the island, it was cold as balls, and the best paper for burning did actually turn out to be the pages in the in the Bible. Definitely not a goth thing, and yeah. So, so if God, if if God really does judge, and I print his book, now I'm a little bit. I think he's largely okay with doing what you need to do to survive. I think pretty much all. I, I'm pretty certain that nearly all biblical based rules can be does have a do have a sort of base survival principle attachment to them. Uh, by the way, they do if you, no, they do if you're a man. Like I don't, I don't want to get all <laughs> Old Testament and run through Deuteronomy yeah. because nobody needs to read ancient Hebrew mortgage law. But yeah, if you've got a penis in the Bible, you're pretty much okay. If you've got a vagina, then take your chances. I was genuinely terrified after you said the sentence. No, after you said the phrase, nobody needs to, no, nobody needs to read ancient Hebrew mortgage law. But and I was like, no, no, no. Because nobody needs to. That I did. I did not have butt face. So <laughs> Who does anyone? Nobody. But does I think some people do need to know, do need to read ancient Hebrew mortgage law. Some people. Some people. Some people probably do. Um, mainly ancient Hebrews. Yeah. <laughs> but that's 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 pretty much. It's not. It's not exactly something. Or or insomniacs. Yeah, see, I know someone who was um, previous, formerly a drug addict, and then had to. One of the ways they got out of it was turning their addiction personality into kind of other pursuits. And one of the things they got addicted to was the uh, Hawaiian judicial system and learning about it. So that's you know, interesting. Yeah, I've read some Hawaiian case judgments actually for for work that I do in another in another place. And oh wow. Yeah. I'll uh, t I'll, t I'll I'll get him to tune. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> People are going to listen to this, you know. People have been listening to these episodes, so. People have been listening. Do you know what? I listened to these episodes mainly so that I could research the format and understand what I was getting myself into. Yeah, it's a real pyramid scheme. This the only other listeners are people that I've harangued into listening to getting yeah. onto future episodes, and eventually they'll be. I'll build a critical mass of them, and it'll all come crashing down but it's your trickle down theory isn't it it's like listen one share one yeah exactly listen share listen share by the way listeners why not share and review the podcast if you enjoyed the podcast please share it if you didn't enjoy the pod podcast please also share it with somebody that you didn't like yeah you know if you don't like them and you don't like me we're probably probably 
probably be buds. That, well, look, the real enemy of my enemy is my friend's school of podcast marketing. Uh, yeah. There are some people I don't want to listen, you know, but we haven't found okay. them yet. Uh-oh. Um, right. I think we're nearly done with the, with the island chat. So yeah. I will just, I'm just going to ask you a little bit about the records, the records that you took. Yeah, that's, um, good. that's a good shout. What? So, uh, you brought along with you uh, a Black Parade. Uh, Welcome to the Black Parade, which is, I was about to say a very goth choice, but it's not. That's A goth it's would tell me that it's not at all. Um, it's, it's not goth at all. It's early, early sort of 21st century emo music. And it's just, do you know what? Like, it was the anthem that came out when we were at sixth form and we'd never heard anything like it. And that being dropped on a, on a Tuesday night when you're out underage drinking, mm. um, got, got everybody, got everybody going, you know, like it's a toss up between welcome to the black parade or system of a down shop suey, which is, which is the greatest Tuesday night track for, for indie kids in the North. And for me, that was the one that I identified with. And I think as I've matured, Musically, this is getting very real Desert Island Discs, Jacob. But as I matured, I appreciated <laughs> the musical qualities. And <laughs> no, the, 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 the album fucking bangs. The I'm structure not gonna... of, of the track, but also the album was just fucking banging. Yeah, it, it slaps so hard. I've realised you're if the you same. If you haunted house to write your album, then it's going to be good. Yeah, I've just realised that you're you're based on the fact that it came out when you were in sick form. You're about you are the same age as me, and you do both your day job, which we won't go into. Uh, you're a counsellor and you're a competitive figure skater. And I'm just like here with my podcast, being like, yeah, come face. <laughs> so yeah, see, this is this is easy because like come face is easy for you, but being busy is easy for me. Like I skate before work, I go yeah. to work, and come face is easy for me. <laughs> in the evening, and I can do emails on the train. It's just. It's just about maximizing maximizing your time, and I never say that I'm too busy. Nope, she never says she's too busy. Re-elect. <laughs> oh, Re-elect. I was worried where you were going. Like, Don't tell people to contact me. <laughs> Re-elect, Elizabeth Dennis Harbour. <laughs> she never says she's too busy. She will also live to regret that slogan. That's she the. Will regret that. She will always make time for people. She will also live to regret that slogan. <laughs> <laughs> she will Do get your bins emptied on time. Definitely regret that. My bins, my recycling bin at my flat. Are not been... my responsibility. Nope, hasn't been emptied <laughs> in uh, hasn't been emptied in over a month. Thanks to oh. Lewisham. So. Did you not put it out? Uh, it's a uh, it's a residential block bin, and I think it's because the uh, I th- you know what? Do you need me to pull some strings for you, Jacob? Yeah, ring up Lewisham. Yeah. I I actually know people. So yeah, yeah, you yeah. know they're the same guys who go <laughs> through the bins. <laughs> you know people. <laughs> I know my local councillor too, but um, I sh- you know just don't like to bother him. <laughs> He's- Okay, Every- well, this is all on you. In that case, I can't be bothered to help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've also brought with you. Uh, you've also brought with you the musical Forty Two, or is it, sorry, Forty Second Street. Forty Two. Forty Second Street. Forty Second Street. <laughs> well, it's the music Forty is the answer to the ultimate question, isn't it? Um, no, Forty Second Street is a very, very kind of. It's a deeply personal choice. I think that one. Um, it's not really. None of my choices are deep. 
because I'm a very shallow human being. Um, new slogan. Um, no, 40 Second Street is a brilliant little musical. There's not necessarily a lot of stuff that goes in it, and it's a theatre show for theatre people. Mm. Um, I also skated to the overture from 42nd Street when I was 12, and that was kind of my breakthrough competitive season. Yeah. Wow. Point wow. of note, figure skaters breakthrough at 12 or, or younger. It's an early specialisation sport. But no, so that was, that was the programme that... I won all of the competitions with and I also just really, really enjoyed the choreography and the music and it 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 means something, it kinda it kinda sticks. I think I so when you were talking when we were talking about earlier about about your island and you mentioned that one of the things you were really looking forward to I by the way, I can sort I get having spoken to you now about this for about forty minutes, I kind of do get the sense that whilst you obviously you, you, you will always make time for people, this this island that we're creating is very much a zone of peace for you. And the um and you mentioned that when you when you skating, it, you you're kind of one of the thing that really motivates you is to compete against yourself. Yeah. And is that what 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 does that really mean? What do you mean by what do you mean by that? Do you just is that how kind of is that how you measure yourself, or is that how you do you, you do you do you compete against other people, or do you just not really? I mean, like in competition, obviously there are other people in your competition, so you you are competing against mm. them because you're all being marked, and mm. there will be a tally of the points that you score, um, just like just like any competitive sport. Mm. But sort of my mindset now more than ever, and I think something that's more healthy as an athlete as well, is to look at it and go, right, well, this is what I achieved on that day. And I want to challenge myself. I want to push. This is the progression. I want to, you know, I want to get this score for my artistic merit or or whatever, you know, and, and just sort of constantly progress. And if I'm competing and just wanting to beat another girl, all I'm going to do is beat her. Is that actually going to develop me? It's probably not. And it's probably going to make me not quite as good a competitor as trying to develop myself and challenge myself and push further. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's actually really. I think it's a healthy mindset for like athletes to take as, yeah. as well. Like you should never look at the opposition. You should look at yourself. And even like like I play football as well, and we can play any team in the league. Some of them are younger and fitter than us. They will score a goal as soon as that ball goes back to the center. It's not one nil. It's not two nil or whatever. In my mind, it's always nil nil, and we mm. carry on. And the score is only relevant at the end of the game. And if I make a mistake, I don't dwell on it. I be better than that. That's a uh, very healthy, uh, very mentally healthy. The sort of thing that the comedians listening could <laughs> could do with listening to, because we all know, like, it, so in the world of comedy, it's actually quite similar. So, um, you always like the ego of you always wants to be the best act of the group, the best act of the night, the best act amongst your peer group. You want to have got like certain gigs that other people haven't got. You want to be the one, but the reality is that you're right. What you really need to be looking at is your own performance only. And really a second you start looking at other people's, it really kind of, it, 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 I think it actually makes you worse. I don't think it, yeah, I, I, I don't it think it helps. I think it, gets in your, I think it gets in your head. Like if I go out on a warm up and go, oh my God, that, that girl's just landed a triple, whatever, whatever. Mm. And I'm only doing this jump. I guarantee that I'm going to have a worse skate when it's my turn to come out. But if yeah. I go out and I do my best on that day, then that's all I could ever possibly do. And if I get off the ice and I go, actually, I didn't do my best. I didn't try hard enough. 
yeah. then that's an issue. But if I get off and I've fallen on everything, but I put everything in and just for whatever reason, I couldn't do better than that on that particular day because, you know, your body does different things, your head's in different places all the mm. time. Then, you know, so long as that is genuinely your best effort for that time, then I think you've fucking won. You can go out and die on your ass in a comedy gig, but <laughs> if you were in your zone and you were delivering your best, then you've then you won and it's the audience that's shit. It is the audience that's shit. That's actually a really good bit to end on. So, Elizabeth, thank you so much. <laughs> so, threw my laptop across the room there. That'll be cut that, out. Yeah. yeah. That was, a, that was a really good note to end on. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. Um, after recording, I did realise that we had a fair few sound issues, so apologies for that. Um, one of these days, when we're out of all this, I'll be able to record in a proper studio with micro- proper microphones and pot stoppers and all the things you like, rather than have to use my laptop to discuss things with people over the internet. Um, having said all that, um, we do have a Patreon right now, and if you do like the podcast and you want to donate a couple of quid a month, then please do uh, get involved with that, and enough of that, and I'll be able to pay for a studio. And I'll be doing that anyway, but you know, I like cash. Uh, what I'll probably do is invest it in harebrained schemes, and then in a few years' time, we can decide whether your funds made me the next... I don't even know. Who's a rich guy? I'm recording this quite late. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Uh, please do like and subscribe. You're the absolutely best for listen- keeping up with us so far. Um, we've got a really great guest next time. Uh, we have uh, Dan Offen. He ha- he is the host of the podcast uh, Position 6, which is really big in the Dota 2 community. And I'm telling you this because I don't know what either of these things are, but it's it's a community and it's pretty big and he's a... You know, he's a name in that community of, of sorts. And it's a really fantastic chat. So please do listen. Please do keep listening. Um, we will either have one more after that before the end of the year or we'll have a little break. Uh, and that is because I've been sending out quite a lot of emails and so on to get some really juicy high-profile guests on. And I've had quite a lot of success. And I'm trying to record a few of them at once so that I can put them out, you know, incrementally at the start of January so you've got something really lovely and really juicy to get your ears into as soon as you can uh, thanks so much for listening please do like and subscribe as usual thank you, thank you.